Thank you for listening to this week's message from North Shore Christian Church. For more information about North Shore, please visit northshorechristian.org. Good morning, North Shore. Hi, Judy. (laughs) Good. It's good to see you. I am lead pastor Scott Harris, and I'm excited to bring the message on this weekend. I am surprised that any of you are here, okay, for this reason. Uh, Yesterday, I was on I-5 driving south, luckily, and I think everybody that's anybody was on the freeway going north, okay? Um, So I warn you, uh, they're coming back sometime this weekend, so stay off the freeway, right? That was a lot of people, right? You take a long weekend and you put the sun on it around here and watch out, right? Uh, so I pray that you're having an amazing weekend. A couple of announcements I have for you. Uh, one, you're going to have to write down, but we have an amazing opportunity. This Friday, we have something on the front lawn at 6.30 called Jazz Under the Stars. Okay, now the stars won't be out because it's not, it starts at 6.30. But what it is, is our academy has an amazing music program and the uh, jazz um, band and the jazz ensemble are going to be performing. So what we're going to do is we're all going to gather on the front lawn. So bring your blankets, your chairs, uh, picnic dinner, uh, and we're going to enjoy some great jazz with our students. Okay, that's this Friday, um, front lawn, 6.30, Jazz under stars, and everybody's invited. So you come, bring your friends and family, and let's go support those kids and enjoy some great jazz music. Um, A second announcement that will really uh, lead into my message here in a few is um, we have for you available um, as we celebrate Pentecost, we have a uh, daily prayer, uh, guided prayer for this next week. Uh, So you can find it on our app. Um, or on our Facebook page, okay? So go there, uh, you just kind of like it, um, begin to follow it, and then each morning you will get a prayer prompt as we pray uh, around Pentecost and uh, for the Holy Spirit, okay? So that's available to you. Um, As we uh, get going here, we're kind of winding down the David series. Okay, now you don't know this, um, but you were um, a little bit under a test, okay? Um, The test was this, is North Shore historically has done pretty short series. And so I wanted to find out um, how much can they take? How long of a series can they take, right? Um, um, Well, because there's only a, a few books that are short enough to cover the classic four to six week and a really long series of eight weeks, which is typical what churches do. And they come in topical on those things. Um, What I want for you, uh, and I think our our society desperately needs, I want you to know the word of God. I want you to know it where you have confidence in it. And then it transforms and changes your life, your family, and then you can take it into the community. Uh, and take the gospel message of Jesus Christ that is the word uh, reflects and teaches and guides us to uh, to help change this world in the name of Jesus. Um, so uh, in that, uh, I want to teach the word to you. Uh, and so you have to kind of lengthen it out. Some churches um, will do a series for two years, three years. How many of you have ever gone to a church that you've done series for two, three years? Okay, there you are. Very few of you. Okay, how many of you just got real scared? <laughs> right? Um, yeah, so uh, we weren't two years, we were three months. 
right? Uh, but the one thing we enter, and you passed the test, so you know, good job, I'm proud of you. A, everybody A, right? Um, and how did I measure the grade? Is nasty emails, right? You didn't give me a bunch, okay? Uh, uh, and a few thank yous for the series and learning so much about David and this important figure. Uh, so these are things that uh, we want to do is bring series that really bring you deep into the Word that you understand God's word for yourself. So it's absolutely a tool that you can use. And it's not just key phrases that a pastor says in a four-week series and that your whole theology and doctrines built on catchphrases. You know, but you say, oh, we studied David. I remember this in David. Where's David? Oh, this is where. Make sense, the difference of that? Because um, what happens is catchphrase theology falls apart when the pressures of the world comes. So, so in that, uh, but I don't want to bore you to tears either, okay? So don't be worried about two or three years yet. I don't know if we'll take you there. You can let me know. But uh, we want to do some of these series that, you know, I guess have some, some meat and beef to them so that you're equipped. That's the goal. Uh, we want to make them interesting. So if we bore you, come tell me, okay? Um, today, oh, then so we're finishing David. Love that. Um, this is a one-off. I'll talk about it in just a second. And then we're entering a series, a three-week series, <laughs> uh, uh, just three, but it's on the topic of giving. Um, talk about full, having uh, the fullness from our finances because God wants to do something beautiful and amazing in you, through you, with you. And finances is a real hurdle for a lot of us, right? So let's talk about it. Let's don't shy away from it. Sit down in love and grace and just have a conversation. We'll do that uh, beginning next week for a few weeks, okay? And then we'll get into a great summer se series I'll tell you about later. So today, uh, we are going to talk about Pentecost, celebrating Pentecost. Um, and we're talking about the Holy Spirit. Now, when you do that, uh, you know, sometimes that creates lots of tension, right? Some of you might go, oh no, or, or oh good. I'm not sure what you're feeling right now. Uh, so we're going to dive into it. And of course, it could be a whole series itself. We're going to just do uh, kind of just one off today. So we'll kind of skip a stone and cover some different things, but hopefully you walk away with a better understanding. And if the message really stinks, here's the good news. There's free cupcakes afterwards. So it's going to be okay. All right. We're going to be okay. We've got cupcakes on the way. All right. So if you need a Bible, raise your hand. Uh, we'll get a Bible to you. Um, turn to Acts chapter uh, 2. Uh, we'll actually start in 1, Acts chapter 2. I'll have a few different places I take you to. While you're getting Bibles, while you're turning there, let me pray over us, okay? Let's pray. Father, we love you so much. You're good. Uh, we love you. We love your word. And we pray that you would allow your word to sink deep into our heart and our life. As it was shared earlier, that each of us come here in just a different place. There's different things uh, putting pressure on us, uh, having to celebrate. Um, I pray each person here would meet you right where they're at and they would be encouraged. They would feel your love, uh, your involvement in their life, the hopes, the dreams that you have for them and they would be blessed from today. In order to do that, we need your Holy Spirit to work in me, through me, Take my tongue, take my heart, take my mind, guide me now, and do the same to all of us. Bring us together as we learn from your word. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 
All right, all right, Pentecost, okay? So if we're going to celebrate Pentecost, I'm trying to figure out, do I say happy Pentecost, merry Pentecost? I don't know, okay? We'll figure this out, okay? Let's go with happy. It rings better, okay? Um, so happy Pentecost. If we're going to do that, give your free cupcakes. We have to start, what is Pentecost? What is it? Okay, Pentecost is a Jewish festival that God commanded the Jews to observe now, he told them at Mount Sinai, remember where Moses went there and got the Ten Commandments? It was there that God spoke to them in Leviticus and in Deuteronomy. It's echoed again to observe this Jewish festival. And it goes by three names. Shavuot, right, um, is the holiday that we call Pentecost. And what Shavuot is, is um, celebrating the giving of the law. Okay. It's called the Feast of Weeks because it was also a celebration uh, of the past harvest and a future harvest coming. Okay? And so it has dual purposes. Uh, it is to celebrate uh, and remember past slavery in Egypt, the Hebrew people. Remember when Moses came in and freed them? Right? And Passover represented when they were released from there. Again, a little reminder, what Passover is, is when the Hebrew people were in Egypt in slavery, Moses was sent to ask Pharaoh to release them. He wouldn't, and then the plagues came. And the final one, uh, God told the Hebrew people, I want you to sacrifice an unblemished lamb, take the blood, put it on the doorpost, and that judgment would uh, pass over you and then you will be free to go and go to the land that I'll show you, the promised land. And it started that journey up to the promised land. Uh, and then 50 days after that, they ended up in Mount Sinai, approximately 50 days. And this is where they were told uh, to observe Shavuot, the Feast of Weeks, um, and what we call today Pentecost, which means the 50th day, okay? So that's the thing. So we are celebrating the 50th day. The Jewish people celebrated from Passover, the Sabbath during Passover, uh, to Mount Sinai, giving of the law. They celebrated uh, the harvest, the uh, end of the barley harvest, uh, and the beginning of the wheat harvest. So for the Jewish people, what they're celebrating is these pivot points in their faith. So, with me? So why do we celebrate Pentecost today? Um, because we are celebrating a, a major pivot point in our Christian faith. Okay, in the Christian faith, there are some significant pivot points that we celebrate. Uh, one of the first ones is Christmas, right? We celebrate God with us. Matthew 1 Verse 23 says, Jesus shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. God actually came to this earth uh, in the person of Jesus and walked with us. And so what do we do? We put trees up and lights up and we go crazy. Right? I'm a Christmas guy. So I love Christmas, right? Uh, but we celebrate this pivotal moment in our Christian faith. Come Easter, Right? Another pivotal moment that we celebrate, we celebrate that God redeems us. 1 Peter 1.3 says, we are born again into a living hope 
through the resurrection and death of Jesus Christ. Man, we have new life because of what Jesus did. And Easter is when we celebrate, right, the death and resurrection of Jesus, our redemption. A pivot point for us. Now, Pentecost, another pivot point in our Christian faith is introduced to us. And what we're going to see is this. I'll give you the fill in the blanks early. We're going to see that we celebrate on Pentecost that God is in us. That God is in us. And then we'll celebrate that God is through us. But I want to read some text. I had you turn to Acts. I'm going to start in Acts 1, read verse 8. This is Jesus talking. Uh, The resurrected Jesus before his final ascension, he speaks to his disciples and he tells them something. Uh, that's going to happen here in 10 days at Pentecost. And then we see it happen. Okay? Um, Let's read together. Acts 1.8. God in us, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Here's what Jesus says. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. That's what Jesus promises. Ten days later, uh, at Pentecost, they are all together. Um, and here's what happens. 120 of them in the upper room. When the day, and this is uh, Acts 2, verses 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. For they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterances. So there's incredible imagery here. And that imagery is first of this mighty rushing wind. In Scripture, wind represents God's Spirit. Okay, so they would have understood this, God's spirit, and then fire. And fire in scripture represents two things primarily, God's presence and God's refining, right? And so as they see as the Holy Spirit rushes in, uh, all of a sudden it rests on them, this fire, the presence of God on each one of them. And this is a huge pivotal moment. All of a sudden this God that would fill people with the Spirit from time to time rested on every one of them. God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit, indwelt each one of them. Huge moment that God is in each believer. This is something we should celebrate, right? We should celebrate this And then in Acts chapter two, it continues. Um, So what does that look like? There's another major pivot point that happens when the Holy Spirit comes in us, okay? And it's this, that we're gonna see that as God is through us, God through us, he's going to work through us. And you could read at some point in time, Acts two, um, 37 through 47, but I'm gonna read 42 and 47, these verses to see what these people did together. And it says this, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. 
And awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as they had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. And we know a little later in Acts chapter 4, it was measured in the thousands. In the thousands. One of my great joys in life, uh, where this took place on the southern steps of the temple, I got to stand there. I got to see all the places where people were baptized, these thousands of people uh, uh, and saved. So it's just this, what, again, it's my favorite location on the planet right now is there because of all that took place there. What happened there when the Holy Spirit came in people? Uh, all of a sudden, God gave birth to the church. I sent an email out to some of you, right? We're talking about we're going to celebrate the birth of the church. I got some back that said, hey, uh, the church was um, not born in um, June. It was uh, born in March. They're talking about when North Shore Christian Church started in the warehouse years ago. <laughs> so, uh, so I'm not talking about that church. Um, indirectly, yes. Uh, but we're talking about the church. The church that Jesus promised that he would build in Matthew 16. The Greek word, the ekklesia. Uh, and that word, when he talks to Peter, if you remember that, says, Peter, you're the rock, meaning this faith that you have, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That word church is ecclesia. That's Jesus's church. This is the beginning and start of the ecclesia. And that word means the called out assembly. So what church is, what the church is, uh, it is spirit-filled, people with the Holy Spirit in them, believers of Jesus Christ that are coming together corporately to worship God and radically love one another so that they could be equipped to bring the gospel to the broken world. That's the church. That's Jesus's church, right? Uh, and that's what was birthed at Pentecost. Right? It is a new work, okay? Celebrate all that he's done, looking ahead at what he will do. For them, it was a wheat harvest. For us, Scripture talks about the wheat harvest, right? Souls coming to him. There was a nation born, Shavut, at Mount Sinai, right? Given in the law. Well, there is a church born, it's a giving of the Spirit. And that is why we celebrate. The least we can do is eat a cupcake together, right? <laughs> uh, but don't you think this incredible pivot point should be something that the church recognizes? I have never celebrated Pentecost before. You know, now my Christian faith is measured in four decades. I'm in the 40-year category. They should give us a, a button or something. It's a, it's a long time. Uh, uh, and, you know, I've been part of evangelical Bible-believing churches. Never. Pentecost is always left out for the liturgical churches. But shouldn't 
a follower of Jesus, a lover of Jesus, celebrate Pentecost? Much in the way we do Christmas, much in the way we do Easter, and Pentecost, it is a pivot point for us. So today, as we celebrate Pentecost, I think it's important what we do is we need to zero in and give some teaching. Like I said, it's a, a stone skip teaching because it's just a one message on the Holy Spirit, this, this, this agent, this person that Jesus said we would receive when we believe and what started us. So let's look at the Holy Spirit. So if you will turn to John chapter 14, John chapter 14, and we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. And we're going to start with the promise, okay? And if you join John 14, I'm going to start verse 15 in a second. Um, and so a little context. This is Jesus preparing to leave. He's going to go to the Father, right? Just days later, he is going to be arrested, crucified, right? Um, and die. So he's preparing uh, his disciples to leave. And since I moved to Everett, you know, right close to nine years right now, um, is I've become an expert in these goodbye speeches. Not because I'm giving them, because I li we live so close, close to the Navy base. And it's something called deployment, right? Um, so Jesus, <laughs> in a sense, is going to be deployed, right? We don't know when he's coming back. He's coming back, right? And he's going to talk to his disciples and encourage them. And many of you here understand deployment. You've had talks like this. And what is the number one thing in that goodbye talk? Does somebody being deployed want to let somebody know? I love you. I love you. And they say it over and over. And I love you. I love you. I love you. And in that... Uh, Jesus is, in John 14, you're going to see, he's going to say, I love you, I love you. This is the heart of why Jesus is doing what Jesus is doing, okay? So let's look at John 14, verses 15 through 21. And we'll look at the promise and the heart behind that promise. Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And I'll ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. So what Jesus is saying here is, I love you. Let's get right. I love you. And when he talks about if you keep my commandments, the commandment of Jesus, remember, is to love. Love God, love others, love him. So to Obey his commands is to obey the command of love. Loving him, accepting his love, letting him love you. That relationship being found in Jesus um, and knowing that he loves you. And he makes this promise. I will not orphan you. 
thinking about someone that's orphaned, right? They are left and abandoned. And what Jesus is saying, I am not going to leave you. Uh, I'm not going to abandon you. I am leaving, but I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to abandon you. I'm going to give you a helper, he says here. His spirit, God himself, the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit in us. Why? Because he loves you. He loves me. So as we talk about the Holy Spirit, it starts there. You have to understand the whole thing is because Jesus loves you and does not want to leave you as an orphan. And he's provided the Holy Spirit. Now he has a hope, okay? So once you know that you're loved, you have the Holy Spirit, he has a hope for a work in and through you. So I'm gonna bump up John 14, verses 12 through 15. We look at the hope. It says, truly, truly, I say to you, Whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Now, I want to stop there. Did you hear what I just read, what he just said? I mean, this is, this is a little mind-blowing kind of stuff. I'm going to read it again and really hear what he's saying, okay? And the word truly, truly in Scripture means this is truth, this is truth, Okay? Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And grab here, notice the gear shift. And greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. I'll keep reading. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. What's he talking about here? Jesus says, I'm going to the Father. And here's my hope for you, is that you'll do the works that I've done, but he doesn't stop there, that you will do greater works than I've done. Now, I just want you to know, this is uh, in different denominations, a real uh, sticky scripture of what they do with it. Um, here's what I believe this is talking about, and I think scripture is clear and it makes sense. You or I will not do better works than Jesus. Are we okay with that? Can we just agree upon that? He's God. Uh, Creator, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. We will not do a better work than him. But I do believe this because when Jesus came, remember, he came in a very small place on this earth to a very small number of people and focused in in a real small number of people. Numbers, it's a magnitude thing. Meaning he did that for the whole world, so the whole world's impacted by Jesus. Um, but these individuals, personal, one-on-one -on -one touches, um, that we will do a greater work. Now his discipleship, he's going to spread them out. You know, the one become 11, 12, the 12, you know, and you go, go, go to where we're impacted. So it's about a magnitude and a number of individuals. So what he's saying here is this magnitude, there is going to be, through the Holy Spirit in you, more love, more serving, more prophecy, more miracles, more healings, more teachings. And it's just this thing, as you hear that, uh, it should be a wow moment, right? A wow moment, this powerful calling we have, but it comes with a promise of a powerful presence of the Holy Spirit working in us. So I have a question for you. Um, as you hear about the magnitude and the power 
that we have. Does that describe your faith journey with Jesus? Is it powerful? Would it fit into any of these greater work categories? It's an opportunity, Pentecost, to say, where are we? How are we? Because we have this great, great call. Asking that question, I'm not sure what's going through your mind. I'm trusting that God is working in your life right now as you ask this. Um, there's a problem. Right? I want to point this problem out. Uh, you don't have to turn there. It's a short verse. 1 Thessalonians 5.19. If you want to memorize scripture, choose this one, right? Because it's easy. Do not quench the spirit. That's it, right? People say, I can't remember scripture. Use that one. It's just really short. Do not quench the spirit. Um, so the problem is this. Um, Paul, when he talks about do not quench the spirit here, is talking to believers. This is a church. These are people who believe in Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, all that. Um, and he says, don't quench the Holy Spirit. Now the word quench means extinguish, suppress, stifle, I think it more means in here, to dim, to lessen. Because here's the thing about that, we look at this, um, we can't control the Holy Spirit, we can't control God, and that's, that's good news, just so you know, that's really good news. But what we can do, and the problem that Paul is pointing out here to believers, is you can reach out and touch the dial and dim it, turn it down. For whatever reason, God has given us this. To turn the dial up on the Holy Spirit or turn it down, to dim it. You know, and this is really my reality uh, in my journey. Uh, I became a Christian in my early 20s. Uh, and I was all in, right? And so I was serving the Lord. Um, and, you know, right, at, you know, that happened in college and then moved back to my hometown to, to begin to work in my, my field. And I was doing that. So I went to this church because someone pointed this church out to me. I didn't know enough to how to even choose a church. I just went to this one. It happened to be the biggest one and someone I knew went to it. Um, so I go there and there uh, is a very, very Bible-based church. Appreciate that. Um, but the Holy Spirit there um, we never talked about him, almost never. Um, and so I, I grew in my faith there. In fact, that was the church, the first place that called me to be a pastor. I became their youth pastor, started going to Bible school. Um, and I was going through all that journey and it was late in life, right? And so uh, the Holy Spirit, um, I, I knew about him. I read about him in scripture, but there was a, the dial was down to, to one. My daughter goes to uh, a discipleship camp as a young adult, older, um, and she asked me this question when she came back. She said, Dad, um, we never talk about the Holy Spirit. Why, why didn't you ever talk about it? Because uh, if you caught the story, I was their youth pastor too, my daughter's. Right? So we never talked about the Holy Spirit. And she said, she had this phrase that really stopped me. She says, you know, um, we kind of operate with a two-legged trinity, right? 
never talk with the Holy Spirit. And it really got me in this conviction because as I started going through, I knew a lot of information about the Holy Spirit. Um, but I did nothing with it. Right? Because what I was taught is to treat the Holy Spirit like a crazy uncle. Right? We all have it. If you don't have it, it's probably because you're it. Right? <laughs> right? <laughs> So in that is um, what you do um, is a crazy uncle. You know, you put him in the back. Now, what, you will not disown the crazy uncle. You just do not want him to come out at any event, right? And then if he does, you kind of apologize. Um, and that's where the Holy Spirit was. He's this crazy uncle. That's how we talked about it in this time. And for me, it's, it put me on the path to say, I want to know God, all of God. And it started a journey with the Holy Spirit. And it wasn't scripture I didn't know. It's scripture I did know. And just say, okay, do that. Uh, and here is a tragedy. And really the heart of my message for us is for me in those times, um, what I was missing was God himself. Because the Holy Spirit is God. Okay? Equal part of the Trinity. I was missing God's power. Holy Spirit has promised to empower us. I was missing that. If I was being honest, my faith walk had very little power. You know, I knew a lot, you know, studied a ton. I was missing God's fullness that he wanted to give me. That he wanted in me and, and wanted to work through me. I missed it. And so that's what I don't want for you. As your pastor, I want you to have all of God, every aspect of it. I tell you, as the world gets crazier and crazier, we need him more and more and more. And to grab him and any element of him and put him in the back room and lock the door, um, I speak of my life, could be your life, would be a tragedy, wouldn't it? Right? The world needs God desperately. And the Holy Spirit wants to fill you empower you, and then work through you, us. We need him. So I'm going to talk a bit about the path of this. And again, it's a, a skipping of a stone. And when I talk about this, because there, a reason why many people have the Holy Spirit as a crazy uncle, it's, there's a lot of tension around it. A lot of divided doctrine and, you know, orthodoxy and orthopraxy around this, the Holy Spirit. So I've got a goal, is to bring us into unity, right? And so I want to invite you with those ears uh, as we talk about some things. I'm going to take you, um, you don't have to turn there, Ephesians 5, 18. And this is the path. I'm going to talk about the path. I'm going to talk about something called the filling, the filling. Ephesians 5, 18 reads this. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. Debauchery means garbage living. Um, but here's what we're going to focus on. But be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, and we look at that term, uh, be filled with the Holy Spirit. The original language uh, in the Greek, um, as you look at it, really begins to wake up uh, what this means. Okay, the first thing here, and Paul's writing this to the church, is be filled is what we call an imperative command. That is a must do. You know, I mentioned 
military earlier. You know, it's like when you get an order, right? Is that optional? No. Mom, when you give that rule and you put that finger like, is it optional? No, it's do this, right? And I don't think God's saying angry, but this, do this. This is what a Christian is commanded to do. And that is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, it's interesting. You look at the verb tense of this thing. It really allows the scripture to blossom into, I think, where biblical teaching is with this. Um, it's also a passive verb. The verb tense is passive. And what that means, it is something that you are receiving. So you must do this, but this is something that's going to be done to you. You can't do it. See the tension? And I think if you, uh, you're going to understand why it's so powerful, is this, is our role is receiving. It is, what do you do? You need to receive this. You need to allow this. You need to surrender to this. You need to submit to this. And we see this is what Jesus' work was. In Matthew 3.11, when John uh, is walking, he sees Jesus. He says, there he is, the Lamb of God. And he says in Matthew 3.11, what I've done is I've baptized you with water, with repentance. And what that represents is the transference, the washing, the faith decision, right? But he, Jesus he's speaking of, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Remember, fire represented his presence um, and his refining, that he's going to come in and he is going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Acts 2, we see that exactly happen. All through the scriptures, we see Jesus' work. 1 Corinthians 12, 13, um, Paul's talking uh, about this. He says, all believers um, are baptized with the Holy Spirit. He says, you all, talking to the church, the whole church, all the believers in Corinth, he says, you all have been baptized with the Holy Spirit. Right? We see that happening through the ages, is that there is a filling a baptism with the Holy Spirit that believers get. Now, this is where I'm going to enter some, some tension, okay? Yeah, there's some tension created when you talk about this, and the tension is around some terms, right? Many have been asked, have you been baptized with the Holy Spirit, right? Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? You go... I'm not even the yellow pages. I'm going to age myself. So young people, there used to be this big book we had, and in the back of it were yellow pages, right? Um, but you go back there, and it lists the church. You see them on the website. Spirit-filled, it says. Right? Um, okay. And if people ask you, and you hear these terms and say, what is this? Well, it's a, it's a doctrinal element that is coming out in language, uh, and people are asking, you know, do you follow this doctrinal pattern? Unfortunately, in our world, we say, if you don't, then I'm not with you. Or you're not, you're this. And so it really creates this us versus them, right? Which we know in Scripture is really rarely the intent of our Scripture, especially to believers. So what does the text say, right? Right? Well, let me add more tension 
as I talk about the text. And I'm going to take you, and there's many different places. I'm just going to give you one illustration and talk about tension. The book of Acts. Now, the book of Acts, it um, depends how old your Bible is. If you look at the introduction, it says Acts, um, modern ones. Older ones will say Acts of the Apostles, right? Because, again, they're... Um, starting to walk out this faith after Jesus left. Um, if you have an older Bible, and I think actually the most appropriate title, it says the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Because what happens in Acts, Jesus makes a promise of the Holy Spirit coming. We read about it. The Holy Spirit comes and we see what happens next. And that is the whole book of Acts of watching that unfold, okay? In the book of Acts, and I've studied really hard, and I couldn't find um, a number. But in the book of Acts, I know of 12, 14, uh, there's some other things, but one commentator said there's 34 different conversion stories in Acts, okay? So if you're a Bible person, study that real hard, send me out, okay? I know for sure there's 11. Uh, 12 or 13 are really easy to pick out. Anyhow, but whether the number's 11, 12, or 34, uh, in those conversion stories, all but one has someone accepting Jesus, right, as their Savior, um, and at that point becoming baptized with the Holy Spirit. But there is one in Acts 8, 14. It's Peter and John. They're in Jerusalem. They get notified that the Samaritans uh, don't have the Holy Spirit. So they go down in elevation to Samaria and they talk to him and they find out that the Samaritans um, knew about John, heard about Jesus, got baptized in Jesus, which means this. They understood the resurrection, the death of Jesus and those things and they were baptized into Jesus' salvation. And then they are asked, do you know the Holy Spirit? No, what's the Holy Spirit? So they are prayed upon and they get the Holy Spirit. Okay, a secondary experience. Now, one thing you have to know about me, okay? I am one of those people, I don't mind tensions in scripture. I think scripture says, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, that we only know in part. Now, we'll know in full later. Which that tells me there's going to be tension, Scott, because what you know of, what you experience is, um, is going to fall short. God knows all things. When I get to heaven, I will know all things. So what happens is I'm okay with tension, right? Um, and so I believe you see a tension uh, in our scriptures. There are great minds, good people um, that believe that uh, you get the Holy Spirit um, after salvation, a secondary experience, it's called. You know, are you spirit-filled? Have you been baptized? That's a second experience person asking you a question, right? Um, but I think scripture teaches um, uh, that we get the Holy Spirit at salvation. Do you see attention there? Um, so my invitation to us is unity, Right? Let's come together. Let's don't fight over that, right? The net result's the most important thing. Do you have the Holy Spirit? 
Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? That's what's most important. This thing, we can wrestle, we can arm wrestle, we can talk, but we can do it in love because the work we have is too important. Amen? Amen. To fight over this, right? Um, so I'll just point out some scriptures and what you can expect here, right? Um, for us. We believe this, uh, that we are filled, fully filled with the Holy Spirit at salvation. Romans 8, 9, Paul says this. You, however, are, and he's talking to the, the Christians at Corinth, the church, says, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you. Now listen to this. He just throws a stake in it. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, does not belong to him. You have him or not. You're saved or you're not. It's an initial thing. Uh, Ephesians chapter one uh, talks about in verses 13 and 14 of that if you believe, when you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit. You've got the Holy Spirit. And just a few verses up there in verse uh, three, Ephesians one, it says we have every spiritual blessing. God did not withhold anything from us. So there's not this thing, well, but you got this over here. Maybe you can, uh, he's clear, right? And so what we practice and believe is that you get the Holy Spirit fully at salvation. Now, we choose not to divide. If you're here, your denominational background, your belief in scripture, your studies says, no, I think it's a secondary experience. I'm saying, man, let's lock arms, let's go. Because at the end of this thing, what I wanna know, I hope that you wanna know for me is are you filled with the Holy Spirit? So we have all of God. If it came in a secondary experience, high five, you're right. Uh, and I'm in my attention, or someone who's you know, adamant that no, no, it's a single experience. Great, they're right. Um, I care less about that than the Holy Spirit being in your life. You full the Holy Spirit and this church making an impact in this world for the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? Um, are you guys okay? Yeah. Okay, okay? Because I mean, I, I mean, this wakes up a lot of probably history of some of you, okay? I love you, I love you. I want us to be unified. Um, also the Holy Spirit, uh, there's an ongoing filling of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 13, verse 52, and the disciples were continually filled. This is Paul and Barnabas going to Antioch. They just got kicked out of it. We know that Paul was filled with the Holy Spirit. He had the Holy Spirit. But it says this, and I'm reading the Amplified because it brings out the, the Greek. It says, and the disciples were continually filled throughout their hearts and souls with joy and with the Holy Spirit. That there is an ongoing filling of the Spirit. Ongoing filling of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and words that you'll hear, and they're not going to get into it, but uh, sanctification. Right? Spiritual maturity, growing in your faith, right? There's these, it's just ongoing and ongoing and ongoing, the filling of the Holy Spirit. It will never stop uh, until you meet Jesus again in heaven. Now you can dim the switch, um, but we are designed and created for an ongoing filling of the Spirit, of maturing, of growing, being discipled. Right? And then the last phrase here um, is the surge filling, I called it. Acts 4.8, uh, a crippled man is healed. And the rulers come to here because that crippled man is just giving all kinds of praise, causing commotion. And, and, and the elders and the scribes at the time, they don't want Jesus to get any credit. 
And Peter steps up and it says, Peter filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, and bam, this is Acts 4.8. He tells them what Jesus did and who Jesus is. Right. He gets a boost, a surge of spiritual power to speak to them. We know Peter, he was baptized with the Holy Spirit at Pentecost that we read in Acts 2. He was there. In fact, he gave us a powerful sermon about it. But he got filled with the Spirit there. You know? And God will do that to us. Man, you, you, you go through a, a tough time, you need to, to share something with somebody. God will give you power. How many of you have ever been there and all of a sudden you quote a verse you don't even know? Right? Like, I didn't even know I knew that one. Wow. He'll do that. At a time, he says, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. And all of a sudden you get a strength that you can't understand. And you walk through, you know, the valley of the shadow of death in victory. How in the world did I do that? These are the surges, right? The boost that the Holy Spirit gives you. And I'm going to land with this point um, is this. And so we've got the filling, right? And, and a balanced phrase I want to give us uh, is this. It is one baptism with many fillings of the Holy Spirit, right? And if we walk that out and that becomes our orthopraxy here, the net result's the same. You with me? The net result is that we'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will be working in our lives, changing your life, your home, and changing our church, and changing this community. And we'll allow Him to keep filling us, growing us. And in those moments, boy, when it's hard and difficult and we can't, we will discover that He can. That's the church we want. That's the, the calling we have. And we can be that. Or we can choose, let's fight. Let's argue. Let's spend all of our time figuring out, no, no, this verse looks like it's a secondary experience. Oh, no, 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 this one. And, you know, the Greek means this. No, 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 it means this. And all of a sudden, here we are. And guess what happens? World's going to hell, right? And God wants us to make an impact. Jesus is the only hope. You are plan A. I'm plan A. This local church is plan A. Let's be about that. Let's lovingly, respectfully walk out tension. That's, it's actually kind of fun. If you can do it without hating each other, I, I kind of like it, just so you arguing with people about doctrine and theology is fun. Um, I don't like people getting angry, canceling each other, and doing that. That is not of God. God is us being unified, okay? You good? With me? Okay. Um, I'm going to turn uh, you to Ephesians chapter 3 as we land, and I'm going to invite the worship team and them, because I'm going to go through it a little faster. Uh, there's a slower version of this uh, in the 9 o'clock service. Watch it online. <laughs> uh, but here's the goal. You know, the path is the filling and then the fullness of God, right? And I want you to listen to this text um, and just see the power that Paul's talking about, the fullness that we can have. Ephesians 3, verses 14 through 21. For the reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth 
and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever, amen. What God wants us to do, he wants to give us all of him. He says, now the responsibility, I will fill you through the work of Jesus Christ. Your job is turn that dial to full, all of him, leaving nothing as scraps. I shared my experience with you. Um, I had a faith that was growing in knowledge and knowledge and knowledge. I was in Bible school, seminary, and all this stuff. I got, you know, this really big. Distant, it wasn't growing. So I didn't let God work in my life. I missed the work of God in my life that he promised me. And I don't want that for any of you. I want you to know God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit fully. So the fullness of God can work in your life. And here's some things that the Spirit does for us. Transforms us. We get the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such thing there is no law. If that just described you, great. If it did not, God wants to do more work in you. He wants to transform and change your character into Christ-likeness so you could be a witness. He wants to bring conviction to us. John 16, 7 through 8. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Anything not of God, that's what sin is. Righteousness, right? We're only made righteous through Jesus Christ. He wants to show you the work of Jesus Christ on the cross and, and his resurrection and the power of that in your life. He wants you to know that. He wants to tell you that judgment's coming. We will all be judged. Here's a good thing. The judge, God, says, I will live in you, believer. It's an open book test and I'll empower you. Again, if you're not an academic, this is really good news, right? He guides us. He's called our helper, our counselor, our comfort. He reveals truth. Whatever you're going through, God says, I will be with you. The fullness of God with you. Now, I hear a lot about people when they get a hard diagnosis or family tragedy strikes. And I do the best I can to bring healing words, but I don't hold a candle. You don't hold a candle to God himself within their spirit, giving them a comfort that transcends all understanding of peace. That's what God says, I am here for you. I'm gonna guide you, I'm gonna count you, I'm gonna help you. I will do that within you. Now he uses us to encourage and be part of that, but it's him. He empowers us. Uh, you know, he gives us power. Uh, and you gotta understand this in the power of this, it's a supernatural power, it's God power. I spent most of my Christian life in a dead faith. There was no evidence that God was real in my life. I could quote some scriptures to you. And I just got older and I stopped doing real stupid things, but there was no evidence of power, right? Because I had to dial down to one. He said, no, I want to empower you. I want to do something supernatural, something that would blow your mind, right? Why? To bring glory to God to show that God is working outside of the boundaries of the natural. 
He said, I want to invite you to that. And he gifts us. Uh, I, uh, I'm going to read the gifts real quick, but he says he's given us all gifts or gifts for the common good so that we can minister, bring the gospel to each other and the world. Uh, there's a website uh, on here that we've created for you to help you discover your spiritual gifts. Right? So if you go, there's a QR code that'll pop up there. Just get your phone. Uh, there is a, a web address and um, go to that. And there's two tests on there. One's a little bit more thicker, harder, right? I mean, it takes more time. Um, if you're like me and you have ADD, there's a shorter one for you too, okay? Um, and uh, that one takes just a few minutes, but it helps you discover what are your spiritual gifts. But you really want the easiest way to do it? Go to somebody who knows you and say, hey, what's my spiritual gift? I'm gonna guarantee they know. And they'll tell you, right? But go, it's too important. I'm gonna read these and then we will, we will just, uh, kind of close with a song and prayer. Here's the gifts, prophesying, serving, teaching, encouraging, giving, leadership, mercy, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, faith, healing, working of miracles, deliverance, distinguishing between spirits, speaking in tongues, interpretation of tongues, hospitality, and administering. I don't think these are exhaustive. I don't think scripture intended to do that. You know, that now there's no other meaning wherever the Spirit of God is working in your life, you know, could you be an amazing Spirit-gifted tradesman? Absolutely. Could you be a Spirit-gifted teacher at a school? Absolutely. You with me? You know, it's where the Spirit manifests Himself. These are the ones the Scripture gives us. They're great to look there. So I want to land with this, you know, what our next steps are. And it really is um, two simple thoughts, but powerful things. First is, do you have the Holy Spirit? You need to receive it. How do we receive the Holy Spirit? Uh, it's through Jesus' work on the cross, his pain, the, our price, the ransom for sin, right? and dying for us on the cross, shedding his blood to wash us, white as snow, making us righteousness so that God himself can live within us, the Holy Spirit. So if you don't know Jesus is your savior, in your Lord, uh, it starts there. Take that bold, important first step, say, I wanna be found in Jesus. If you are there, then it's, you need to reach out and turn the dial up. God wants you because he loves you to have all of him. And you may need to submit to surrender to the Holy Spirit's work in your life. And you may say, you know what? I'm tired of doing it my way of muting the Holy Spirit. I want to reach out and turn the dial and turn it to full and let the God of the universe work in your life, in your family, in your home, in your community, at work, in your church, in your community for the gospel of Jesus Christ, for the glory of Jesus. He wants that. So I'm going to invite a prayer team up here and there's some people there that would love to pray with you if any of those things that I don't know. Man, just come with your brothers and sisters and pray, talk it through. I'll be up here then I'll be out there. Talk to me. North Shore, I love you. Let's be a church that is full of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Be blessed. I love you.